0: Hi, welcome to Agora Community Radio, the podcast for artists in the animation industry who want to listen and learn on the go. This episode is from our A Conversation With series, where we invite pros from all walks of our industry to have a chat with us about their background and experiences, and then we finish it off with a little Q&A from the audience. You can always head on over to our website, agora.community, to watch the full video. Or if you just want to listen to what we think are the most interesting bits and pieces of these conversations, you can listen to the Agora Bytes clips on this channel. And now, sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode.
1: Hello, hello, welcome, welcome uh, to yet another episode of A Conversation with Here at Agora Community. We um, have a special guest today we um if you didn't catch the uh the stream last week it was with uh, Samantha Youssef, and uh, today we have uh none, none other than JD us uh, with us today and uh he's going to be talking a little bit about his uh his experience and his life his tribulations and um just for those who are just checking the stream out for the first time we do this m- more or less once a week. So if you're looking for what's coming up as far as new guests and new conversations, just head over to agora.community, the website you'll have to log in, which is always free to to be a member there. And you can actually just click the live link. There's a tab up at the top you can check and it has our entire schedule for uh, quite a few weeks out at this point. So please do check that out. Uh, Without further ado, let me bring in our two uh, guests. Uh, First is my my co-pilot, David Hubert. Hello, hello, David. How are you? Oh, hi, Brent. Oh, hi. <laughs> oh, hi. What a, what a surprise to meet you here. It's <laughs> what so weird. A surprise. It it's so weird. Uh, we also have, of course, I already kind of gave this away. We have JD and he's in the, in the background. We're just going to swing him in here. He's going to just imagine him swinging in like Spider-Man. Okay. It's going to be a little less dramatic than that. The final effect we, uh, but yeah. There, is. there is yeah. a bunch, <laughs> yeah. we'll it is. Yeah, perfect Yeah, we'll fix it in post. We'll fix it in post. Welcome to the stream. You're not a you're not a stranger to the stream, JD. You were here um, obviously during our 24 hour challenge, and thank you again for being there for that. And uh, you also have been making a guest appearance on our animation bingo which is something that's going to be continuing in the very near future. If you're wondering what that's all about, then uh, you can check the schedule for future bingo events. JD has already um, was crazy enough to, uh, to, to opt into yet another one of those evenings of bingo. So you'll see him there as well. So um, I don't know, maybe JD, maybe you can start off with kind of, I mean, I, I would imagine most of the people in chat know who you are. You're pretty prolific. You are always putting content on your YouTube channel. So, but just for those who might not know you, here's a great chance to, uh, to give them a little bit of a condensed dose of, of, of you in a nutshell, <laughs>
2: okay. if that's
1: possible. I don't even know if that's even possible.
2: No, that's totally possible. Uh, yeah. Hi, JD is usually what I go by. Technically, it's Jean-Denis. Last name is Haas. Mom is French, dad is Swiss, grew up in Switzerland, came to the States in fall 99, studied at the Academy of Art in San Francisco um, to do animation, ultimately, and then graduated in May 2003. Uh, and then, you know, the job hunt and everything, and then found a job in January, 2004. That's at industrial light magic. I've been there ever since it's my 18th year there. And that is that, I think, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I do stuff online and, uh, I've been teaching for 14 years. I'm like, that. actually like a recent Google search. Like put in your day where I was, I was checking 14 years. I've been posting on my blog. Um, starting with the Academy blog. So probably teaching 14, 15 years or something. I can't remember. Um, teaching at the Academy, Animation Mentor, uh, my workshops. And that's kind of that. And then YouTube, I post my stuff there, lectures and feedback and
3: that's that. So J- JD, uh, I'm curious. Uh, you're probably the only one that I know that went out of school, went to a studio and just stayed there <laughs> <laughs> for, for that long. that That's uh, exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> Uh, This being said, ILM, uh, or what we refer to industrial light and magic back when uh, when I uh, studied, is probably the only studio I remember from the time that uh, uh, I studied. You were like, oh my God, maybe one day. So uh, I think if there's any studio that is good to go there and stay there, it it might be the one. But you've been there like 18 years. Can you provide a little perspective (laughs) from how it evolved? I mean, ILM itself, but... VFX in general, from your perspective. Uh, and, within- just,
1: and before you answer that, I just want to know exactly mm-hmm. when ILM actually like issued the adoption papers, because I, I'm curious <laughs> where, where in the timeline that action happened as well, because obviously they, you're clearly like, you're like a part of the furniture there at this point, you've been there for a long time.
2: Well, there, I think Lucas, was going to be 50 years this year, I think, oh, so yeah? like that. Yeah, I'm, I'm, think ILM I'm, checking, had I'm their- checking
1: your IMDB and it's like... <laughs> 2005 is the first credit I then from episode three. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. But I, yeah, so that sounds about right.
2: I mean, as you guys know, again, with company stuff, it's always tricky to say all kind of, you know, what do you want to say, what you can't say. Yeah. Um, so I can't go into massive detail, but I think when I started there, it was uh, in San Rafael. So they started in LA and they moved to San Rafael and then later to San Francisco, the Presidio. So I started there and I think I was a year, year and a half, something like that. Uh, in san rafael kind of like a warehousey type of thing where the buildings were a bit more hidden back then you know you couldn't really advertise all the fans we trying to find stuff for star wars so it was kind of you go there and you don't have no idea what it is it looked like some dentist office or something and yeah. it was great at such a good time it was it was so cool and then we moved to the presidio um and then you know got a bit more corporate lots more perks uh, really nice campus and then disney bought lucasfilm and then here we are. So it's kind of has grown. And then you can look at the ILM uh, Twitter. They're just, they're posting a lot of stagecraft stuff. Mm-hmm. So in terms of development, you know, it used to be green screen, blue screen models and, and that's it. Miniatures that was so cool. And then moving more to digital. And now they have this massive thing with stagecraft, which yeah. I can name it because they, they, they advertise it all the time. And you look at the Mandalorian, yeah. fantastic. Yeah. The tech is insane. Great timing. Um, I think that's all I can or I'm allowed to yeah. say, but definitely a massive evolution of digital and then, you know, so miniatures and models and digital and then, and then kind of going back to models like Mandalorian, have a couple of shots with models and stuff. So just to elaborate
1: really quickly, the so when you say stagecraft, what I what it, what mm-hmm. I, I believe you're talking about here is this new way uh, of of working where there's like a soundstage, but having these big sort of like virtual camera type rigs with like these LED sort of backdrops. This is this is revolutionized like movie making, especially in the visual mm-hmm. effects industry. And I, I believe that ILM is or one of the sort of the big biggest players in this pushing it forward because mandalorian is of I course think so, yeah. i think the first the first production that they started you know kind of exposing some of the stuff to the public so that we can kind of get a little bit of a, a look at what's going on behind the scenes and that'd be a mm-hmm. crazy transition like starting off with like you said all the way like you, when you started there there was a lot of the old school sort of compositing things that were being done and to mm-hmm. see to think that you've gone that you've been there from then and to see the entire evolution of all these crazy changes that in itself must be a f- totally interesting you're like a walking cool. museum
2: yeah, yeah especially back then that we have the the overhead microphone system where they would say hey it was they used to build all the miniatures and then blow them up for the movies yeah, yeah and then you would hear overhead hey loud bang in five minutes and then you will go outside and look at those beautiful <laughs> miniatures and then We're they would explode. Being and, oh it's just it was so cool really really mm-hmm. cool
3: that's awesome yeah it's pretty impressive when you see this those uh, behind the scene video and you know oh. usually you would see the actor talking with the director on a green screen and all that but but now it feels that they are right in the middle of a desert. And you have to ask yourself, oh, that's not in the desert, that's with the actual LED screens that are in the background. So I can imagine mm-hmm. how for the actors, it, it, it should be super immersive, uh, a it more immersive cool. experience. Than it yeah, yeah.
2: I think they did something very similar, not very similar, but something similar, I think Oblivion. I remember that making of where the Tom Cruise movie already had the screen and that could change the day and night and everything. But now with stagecraft, it's like a whole new level. It must be so cool.
3: Yeah, no, for compositing and post-production, it's a game changer for for sure. Um, coming back to your own ev- evolution at uh, ILM, not that it's related to ILM specifically, but animation in VFX uh, in in general. Do you have a perspective on how it used to be in when you you started, like eighteen years ago, to how it is uh, how it is now?
2: That's kind of still the same. It's still really hard. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's... I'm, I'm teaching a creature class at Academy and it's just like the that transition from human to creatures, um, especially once you go to more the, the real route, it's just there's so much more to consider in terms of the mechanics. I still don't know much. Like I, I think of a creature reference right or like you know there's some animators they know the locomotion how they move don't need reference I'm still a complete idiot I just gotta go online how does a giraffe walk how does a dog walk I still can't remember I just go straight online and it's just it's just really really difficult that really hasn't changed like you have different designs and you know creature types throughout a couple of movies but then the approach is the same you either make it up and if it's something fantastical but you still have to kind of ground it in something that people recognize. So you still have to study things and act things out, find reference, and then a lot of really difficult work and revisions and hope people like it. And then that's it. I, that aspect hasn't really changed, I would say. Uh,
3: my experience in VFX. I mean, I don't have tons of it. I did maybe like three projects in, in VFX. One of the thing I remember the most is the amount of revision like you're at mm. version mm-hmm. 78 mm-hmm. and you're like that seems pretty close to my version 11 that i had three weeks ago before <laughs> it did three times went to the uh it, it, first is that something you can relate to and if so how do you keep your motivation when it's because in, Vf, in vfx is notorious to have multiple level of supervision uh, uh, above you from you to the director and back down there's a lot of people involved
2: I think what I can comment on without stepping on toes, because again, this is work-related, don't want to talk about clients or anything. I think it's, um, and it's funny enough, I just talked about that this morning in the q and I think what you always have to remember is that you work for someone, and that is their demo reel, that's their portfolio. Like, it's not my shots, not my movie. So you have to always go into this thinking, I'm going to give 110%, for this version. Now, if this is version 3 or 50, it doesn't matter. They are finding their way. Sometimes people have a clear idea. Sometimes they have a very clear idea and just things change. They find a better idea and it's even better. And that just happens after a certain amount of creative input and revisions. It's just not, Like it's easy to quickly complain about, I got to do, I don't know how many versions, but sometimes it just, it ends up being better. Also, you don't know what is going on. As I was telling my students today, like even if I give critiques to my students, right, I might give them something. The week after, another note. And they might go, Mm
3: -hmm. last week you
2: said this. Why are you saying this today? And that's just me looking at one shot, you know, maybe 10, 20 students over a week. Imagine you have a whole time. movie to do and you have yeah. everything that comes with that like how can you keep track of things there's just so much you don't know you don't know their state of mind as what how has their day been today mm-hmm. it's just i think it's easy to quickly complain i think what i would say to anybody wanting to go in this or being exposed to working for someone is that's exactly that you work for someone they're hiring you to provide that service you do the best you can And it's, you know, if it's version one or 50, it doesn't really matter. Like I, the thing is you might get upset at the beginning because you feel like that's a great animation. Why would you change it? But after a while you understand the creative process. And to me, I just like animating. I don't like, you know, I like the effects animation, like camera stuff, props, creatures, humans. I just like doing it. So when it's a version 10 or 20, it's like, okay, that's for me another chance to come up with a better idea. It's more practice. I'm, I, I will be hopefully better. And ultimately, this is the job. You mean like, I can't, you can't really complain? That's what you're hired yeah. to do. Yeah.
1: You're getting paid to train too. Cause I mean, every time you do a yeah. revision, you're going to learn something new every single time. And exactly. there's, a, there's an opportunity there for you to get better every single one of those revisions.
2: Someone forces me to do that anyway. At any point, I can say, I'm out, like, quit. Yeah. That's it. Like, it's just, <laughs> I want to work there. I understand that this is what it takes. This is what you're asked to do. Yeah. And that's it. I mean, if you get revision to like, I don't really want to do that. Yeah. Then I don't know, then quit. It's like it's, it's not for everybody. I mean, like it's not saying this is it's totally. not easy or, or, or you know, like it's it's however you can deal with it. But it's my choice. And I It's a, yeah. I'll a really like good it. topic.
1: It's an important topic because I think that when you think about it like I've, we've all worked at studios where there are that group of people that are just sort of jaded, and you actually, honest, you honestly, almost, I, I always feel like I want to ask them, why do you still do this then? Like it's <laughs> that is the that is the job. Like you're are uh, you like I mean you're getting paid right? You're getting paid to like to like animate characters all day. It's like you. It's so you, cool. You, I mean like. Honestly, I can imagine way worse jobs, so I don't know. But it's easy, right? <laughs> Using it, and yeah. then part of it is because you get comfortable, and everything is relative. And also, you are putting your heart on your sleeves as an animator when you're putting a lot For of your sure. effort, a lot of your personality, is get it gets invested in these shots. So sometimes it can can suck a little bit if it goes a different direction, or or worse. I have friends that have had whole sequences from films get cut from the film, not because the animation wasn't amazing, but because oh, the shots is. no longer made <laughs> sense in the edit. So sorry, like I, it sucks, but at the same time, it's the game. It's the, it's, the, you know, yeah. it's just the way it is. It is.
2: And we have people, I don't know if I can name this, but there were people from DreamWorks not naming names. They were showing off the short. It was really, mm-hmm. really cool. And then we had lunch with him and talked about it. And then one guy said, you know, it's, I can finally show something that I did because the last couple of movies have been canceled. And it amounted to five years. He said he had five years of work that he can <laughs> never show. It, what, was it Pierre Pirozio? <laughs> I'm not naming anything. I'm just saying <laughs> the perspective that that I gained from that. It's like, wow, like the amount of work you put in, five years. Yeah. Like I can't complain whatsoever. Yeah, that, like, yeah, that's yeah, a... like, sometimes you have a couple of shots, cut sometimes you have like 80% cut, whatever, but I don't know, it's not five years.
3: Yeah. That's a sweet spot that is difficult to to get because you have to to care enough about your work to dedicate enough, you know, inspiration and energy and Mm -hmm. all that, but not be too close of it that you're emotionally destroyed if each time you're having a feedback. So it's almost like when you're a supervisor and you're providing a new note or a new direction, uh, you don't want them to be crushed. You don't want them to be mad. But at the same time, you don't want them to be totally like, nah, all right, I'll do whatever you want me, me to do. It's almost like there's a sweet spot that you want them to be just slightly affected, but at the same time motivated to do a next pass that hopefully will be right. better for the for, for the movie. Uh, this part, do you feel it
2: does, that... It doesn't know, mean I, that once you start working, that you get to that mental level of just letting go. Like, you know, I cared a ton about my work, but the moment I was able to let go, and as I tell my students, like, basically... Care but don't care like care as you as you're animating it. At the moment you submit, the moment it's out there for review, just sit back and like do whatever you want to do with this. I don't care anymore because it's someone else's job now. They're going to do whatever you want to do with this. I think as long as yeah. you can, you know, have that that line of do and care as you're animating, and then after that just let it be, yeah. you'll be much happier.
3: And do you feel that this is something that you deal better with uh, experience? That you would deal better with that now than when you you, uh, For you sure. started? Oh
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember a lot. On episode three, there was a shot. I hope I can tell the story. There was those <laughs> those uh, Buzz Droids, little little robot things that pop up, little spider things, and then they they land on the on the Jedi um, Starfighters. I remember coming straight out of school i see these rigs this professional rig you open up that droid has all kinds of rigs and controls like oh it's so cool to animate this and it was a little saw and i remember like cutting into the window i think it was obi-wan's ship and in my mind I'm like this is really cool and then i saw the render like first time you see a full real render of your shots great and then there was no scratch on the window and in my mind like how dare they <laughs> not incorporate this idea and I remember my lead was so patient. Like, you know, let me just check. And then, say, no, just, they're not going to do blah, blah, blah. And to me, I'm, you know, like, how dare they? Later on, not that I know all the reasons. Like, the lesson was pick your battles, basically. But for me, working on other movies later on, I was thinking, yeah, it was a complete stupid thing for me to do. A, I didn't ask anybody for permission in terms of, does that fit? What are the ramifications of this? Because if you start one scratch, every other shot needs to have the scratch tracked on the window in the same spot That has no story point. At no point is that window breaking. So it's not important. So why add this and the amount of cost involved, blah, 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 blah. So now I understand that it was not the right thing for me to do or to push for it. So it comes into time. You have to understand the bigger picture. Is this something that the shot is needed? If you add something, double check. Is this the right time? Is there the budget for it? So I think, you know, as with everything you learn through failing, and trial and error and with experience and and yeah absolutely i'm i'm definitely approaching work differently now than
3: you know 17 years ago yeah that that's this is when it helps when you trust your your team you trust the director because and and you can recognize that you know your your task is to make sure that this little thing is done you know as perfectly as, as it can be and you need to focus on that um but the director has to focus on so many other things. And at the end of the day, mm-hmm. storytelling is probably the overarching thing. And when, and it, it, it takes some time to understand, but my mm-hmm. animation is perfect. Yes, maybe, but it's not, we're not just presenting this little thing. This is the little cog that goes into this uh, entire yes. machine and it needs to, to, to fit. And one, one of the... I think one of the reasons why it might be difficult for uh, um, not just animators, but uh, animators in general, is the amount of work that goes into uh, crafting a, a, a shot. I mean, there's some in, uh, I worked on um, the second uh, Hellboy movie, and there's one shot I must have worked at least two, maybe up to three months on mm-hmm. one shot. I mean, massive shot, maybe like 20, 25 seconds with 12 characters, but still there's so much work that needs to go into that, that you kind of lose perspective uh, uh, at some point. Uh, Is that something that you kind of approach with your students when they are, uh, because that's one of the things that uh, uh, we we mentioned in in the past. And that's definitely something that I've I've lived with uh, uh, students is the sometime you have to be the reality check of the amount of work That needs to go into that and that sometime Mm -hmm. quality should be favored to quantity yes
2: for sure i i can't really say that i'm better at that than the students because i always tell them keep it short three to five seconds five to seven so you have time to finish and polish and whenever i start something at home it's like 45 (laughs) seconds long i'm not (laughs) not that good at that either but yes for sure it's it's a bit of a like they're so concentrated on the shot to become snowblind. Like they don't remember where it started. Like just, you're just so used to certain moments. And then comes the, you know, the idiot teacher. Hey, change this. And like, why, what do you mean about this? I think it's important to have uh, a feedback loop or at least people with fresh eyes to give you a clear direction. Because they might a lost somewhere. And like you said, it's just sometimes it's just, it's, you're so involved in that tiny little thing that you lose track of the bigger picture. And I think that's, that's the cool thing about teaching, right? You can put your, your older work in this and each week you have someone who can't remember anything like me. It's like, yeah. hey, what is this? And then you get fresh notes. And I think that's that's a good thing at work where with the daily sessions and just people looking at things, you know, there might you might say there are too many steps involved and sometimes there might be, but it's always a fresh eye that looks at this without any attachment. And was, this is working, this is not working. And I think that's really important. If you just do something in a vacuum, You might have fun right because you get no notes but will it be really as good as it can be i think it's important to just you know show it as much as you can to different kinds of people
3: yeah you were talking about uh, teaching i think that's one of the things we can all relate the the three of us have been teaching uh, animation before why did you started it why did you start teaching
2: that's a good question um i think it was mostly because when i was when i graduated um and i needed to work on my reel there was no one around for feedback um and i told the story before but it's worth mentioning again just to say thank you again basically what I did was i went on google and i did um i searched at ilm.com and at pixar.com and then found a bunch of emails because you know let you find stuff and then realized that these are animators emailed them and basically just ask hey these are my shots do you have time to give me some feedback They did. Every every one of them responded. And then the big kicker was, and I still can't remember who it was. um, was Either, I would say, either Victor Navone or Karen Miyazaki. I can't remember. If anybody's listening, watching, maybe they remember, but they said, yeah, yeah, send something. And I sent them three shots, not because I wanted all of them, but I thought Mm -hmm. they must be getting so much, so many requests. Let me give them something to choose from. But I guess my English was horrible. (laughs) And it ended up being, oh, you want me to critique all of them? Like he oh, was no. not very, um, he was a bit upset, <laughs> rightly so. Because they're like, here, do like it. But he did. He wrote me a page or half a page. Can't remember, to me, it felt like a what page a gift. every shot. And that just stayed in my head. Like he didn't have to do that. And they were really good notes and it really helped me. Mm-hmm. And to me, it's this thing of, you know, I was, my dad paid for school by coming here to, to the States, right? I had a ton of help thanks to him. And then people who just give up their free time to help me. And then I'm now at ILM, and I'm giving, you know, getting extra help in dailies. So you just learn so much. Like I just want to be able to, as they say, pay forward. Yeah. And I, I also discovered that a, it's a lot of fun, but also I learn more. Like I'm, I'm faster at seeing problems in shots. Like just the whole critique oh, yeah. process, I feel like has made me better as a, as an oh, animator. Yeah. And that whole whole thing combined, I mean, that's why, I don't know that's why I like it. Also, students. They kick ass. I mean, you see a shot and you go, Holy crap, yeah. this is so oh, good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm scared. And it's yeah. like, it's humbling. It's sure. motivating. I don't know. Like, there's so much that I still like. I'm not going to do it forever. At one point, either I won't have time enough or, you know, like I'm tired. But right now, I still like it a lot and it's going to continue.
3: Yeah. Yeah. You, you mentioned how it helps you to become a uh, better uh, animator. For, for me, it was mainly two things. First of all, I had to figure out Okay. Uh, how do I uh, how do I explain this? I kind of intuitively mm. know how that this is working, but now I have to put words uh, of how we do it. So it forced me to do a lot of research to say, like, "Oh, this is why it's working, and that's why it's working." So it kind of put a little bit of, uh, of structure yeah. around that. The second totally. thing is for me was uh, a little bit the same thing when you have uh, um, you know uh, uh, when you have kids. Is that at some point you realize that you do stuff or you say stuff that you're like, oh, mm-hmm. I wouldn't want my kid to say that or act mm-hmm. this way too. So it kind of, so it's a little bit like, when you, you can cut corners in animation or, you know, oh, it doesn't really matter. You kind of force yourself out. No, it actually does matter. And I want to teach them the proper way of doing it. So I'm going to force myself to do it as well. Take the habit too. So it's a, it, it, it's a very interesting process to go from whatever is in your head to put it on paper and then communicate it to another human being to help you yeah. to put structure in your ideas. Yeah, yeah, sometimes I, it's like habit. Like you, you remember doing things,
2: but can you say, can you explain it in a sentence that makes sense to them? I still yeah. vaguely
1: remember when I started out, like, because I, I started out in two D, and then when I started learning three, when I learned three D, it was like kind of learning a new pencil, and I, I still remember those painful first years of like hobbling together. Because I mean, at the time, the teaching wasn't where it is at, at all now. Like a lot of people that were teaching us were people that understood the software but didn't have any good like methodologies with regards to character animation. So it was Mm -hmm. like, I felt like I was pioneering on my own back in in Toronto at the time. Uh, We had lots of really good instructors, but they were like VFX and like a lot, they were more into like things that weren't animation, character animation. So, uh, but I still remember that, how, how totally inefficient it was. And it wasn't until I started teaching that i that i started to formulate a way like a, like a, a like a framework that made me because it like like you guys said like if you because it's one thing like a lot of us animators have a tendency to work from from instinct right by reflex And so it's almost like we need to, but you know, that could be great. We can have really good days and really bad days, but the consistency was all over the place, you know? So I felt like by having a framework in my mind, it made my consistency go way, way, way up because it wasn't like I was just getting lucky one day and having a good animation day. It was because I just knew what the hell I was doing. And I was remembering to do, do, do those same important steps that worked out the last time. So that teaching gave me all of that. And without that, I mean, I'm so grateful for having the opportunity to teach because otherwise I wouldn't that i
2: do love happy accidents though Dare i say i was gonna well yeah they're always gonna happen there.
1: for sure, for sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah Now, so of
2: teachers whenever i have the opportunity thank you lisa mullins she was the the first teacher where really explaining the principles of animation before that was kind of like a maya class but she was the first one to explain just how you do it and to this day i will never forget her class she was she's basically the yeah probably the main spark in terms of why i love this so much obviously lots of other people, lots of help. But her class, she was running around, acting things out, bringing up Disney movies to, to analyze, super harsh in her critiques. She's like, this is really cool. This is back because. And then dissecting it, it was so good. So wherever she is, Lisa Mullins, my hero was best class ever yeah, you, ju-
3: you just mentioned something that, uh, that uh, it's right it also forces you to not only properly properly order your uh, um, put order in your ideas but how do you communicate them when you have a student that show you something that is it's terrible. It's garbage. It's really bad. But you don't want to destroy him. At the same time, you want to provide a constructive criticism. But you don't want to, you know, be so gentle that your your feedback are almost useless, and mm-hmm. you give him the impression that it's, you know, it it, it it's not bad when it's, So that's definitely something. Being able to provide good constructive feedback, but mm-hmm. still have being doing it in a uh, um, in an empathetic manner and making sure that it motivates the the, the students to mm-hmm. and that's something you can apply on their workspace if you're a lead with your animator or when whatever you're uh, com- um, uh, communicating with the other senior so that that's another way that that is kind of forcing you on a daily or weekly basis to to practice your yep. social skills. Sure. So uh, you so how, how many years did you teach at animation mentor? Mentor it's a
2: good question. Maybe 13? Okay. I can bring it up. <laughs> Something like that.
3: And at the academy pre-pandemic, it was uh, on-site or online as well? It was mostly on-site and then online. Like Towards the
2: you know, later couple of years, it was online as well. I think I, I taught academy two, three years before mentor, I think. So it was first academy, then mentor. Um, but yeah, physically in a class, like 15, 20 students. Um, and then online with animation mentor.
3: So regardless of AM or the academy, which one would you prefer in terms of online versus being live physically uh, with the, uh, the students?
2: It's a tough one. It really depends. It's kind of like a 50-50. Like, I like the, the online aspect is because, like, the reason why I like mentors, hey, the community is really good, but the way it's structured is that you can you have your critiques on Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, or Sunday, Monday when you have to hand them in, and it's it allows for a lot of flexibility, which I like a lot. As you know, as you have other work and and, and family, and I like having like the structure of looking at it online, critiquing it in the weekly Q and A, which are live, it's not on site, but you have a live Q and A where you can explain things. And I don't know, as, as the way they have it formatted, I really really like it versus on site. I do like the physical thing because you can grab them, act things out and sometimes it's a bit more immediate. You can, you can move over to their desk, you can do things, but it's also more exhausting because <laughs> you are there three hours physically moving around, running around at the community back, driving for an hour back home. It's kind of, it's a the pros and cons for both. Um, I, I wouldn't really want to give up either one of them, mm-hmm. but now with the Academy, I think has moved online because of the, uh, the, you know, the pandemic and stuff. Um, yeah. But the students really like it because they don't have to go to the school. They're there in their in their room, their apartment, and um, I yeah. like pros and cons for both. I do like I do like both.
3: Yeah, I would say for me, I started uh, uh, online. I didn't really uh, teach uh, on site, but I did some workshop and masterclass that that were uh, on site. And since I was used for many years online. And one of the things that you have to get used to is that you have all those staring faces because, you know, socially, when you look someone in the eyes, they kind of, their face kind of light up a a little bit because they're like, oh, teacher is looking at me. So Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. when everyone is, when you're just looking at your screen and no one feels that is being looked at, you just have, you know, faces, motionless faces that, that, but then I went on site and each time I was, I, I, for the first time I had this, you know, a very natural feedback of oh we're looking at each other okay now we're looking at each other and all those faces mm-hmm. would light up i was like that, that must be really fun to to teach on site and having this That's kind of point. rapport with yeah. yeah yeah for sure yeah and sometimes it's kind of like
2: that teacher student thing of when you ask a question look around and all the heads go down like, don't look <laughs> at the teacher. but yes there's something about having the immediate feedback and just seeing someone I, and, and I especially acting things out on on you know there and you can, I mean, obviously you ask me like, can I, you know, can we move around? I think that is really cool. Um So yeah, I think, yeah, pros and cons for both.
1: I, I miss it myself. I, I kind of, I like, I'm a very tactile person, so I really like being able to like sit down at the desk and like look at their scene with them. It's, mm-hmm. there's something that, that seems missing. Like it feels... I, I, I mean, it's getting better. I think we're all getting used to this and sort of like right now, I feel like we're all in the same room talking, but because I've been doing this for a while, but it took a while before I felt like that. I mean, for the longest time, it felt like I was just yelling at a monitor and like yeah, there was... Pictures that were sending information back to me, but it didn't really feel like a real conversation. I'll, right. I'll, I'll never forget the when I first started teaching at IAnimate. That's exactly how I felt. It felt like I was just. It was like I couldn't connect. There was like that empathetic mm-hmm. link was missing. I I can do that now, but like it took a really long time, and it still is nothing compared to like being there. I miss mm-hmm.
3: that. I miss mm-hmm. it. But you got used to it eventually.
1: Oh, for sure. Yeah. I. I but it, even though I got used to it, I still think I would. I wouldn't necessarily prefer to have, like the convenience of being able to reach people all over the world from the privacy of my own home is yeah. kind of hard to match. You know what I mean? Like you have, when you want to typically when I have a, a session, there's people from all over, like usually at least three or four countries at any given time. Mm-hmm. And that in itself is pretty overwhelmingly awesome. But, um, but, uh, still like it's, it'd still be nice to still have some sort of link with a, with a local college. I mean, I was teaching at Dawson here at Montreal for the longest time and I just couldn't, it, I just couldn't fit in my schedule, especially when I moved outside of Montreal. So
3: mm-hmm.
1: I miss it, but yeah,
3: yeah, I think this, it, it's one of the things that many people experience for the first time with the pandemic, all those Zoom meeting. I mean, we got used to it for a few years teaching online, but when all of a sudden you've never been used to do all those teleconferencing meetings with a lot of people yeah. and all of a sudden you're like, boom. Now that's your new reality. And you have all those face and you have those subtle little cues. There's a little bit of delay in the sound and you don't look at each other. And it's all those things that the brain is like, that doesn't work at all. And it becomes super exhausting after eventually you get, uh, I assuming the brain is adapting and he's, uh, you know, kind of rewire a little bit to be able to, to, uh, to, to deal with those. But in the beginning, it's, uh, it's something.
1: Yeah. It's like gauging interest and comprehension is always tricky cuz that's all, all those things are all assuming that they even have their cameras on you know, those are always the, tu- the tough ones yeah. to teach to. And I tell, I, this is usually one of my first caveats at the beginning of a, of a workshop. I'll just say, look, I'm not going to pressure you to put your camera on, but I need you to know that your experience is going to be better if it is. Because I will see you and I will scan your faces and I will know if I'm going too fast or too slow just by the expressions in your face. If they start to look a little glazed, then I probably know I'm either losing, I'm probably losing you in some way. And it allows me to change tact. If you're in a room, you can almost read the room just by the vibe in it, which is something mm-hmm. you can't do very easily when especially when people don't have their cameras on so for everyone listening right now that are going to online classes do yourself and your teacher a favor turn the camera on for the love of god please just turn it on <laughs> yeah,
3: yeah there is nothing worse than teaching to a bunch oh, of black box yeah
1: <laughs> <laughs> give me something give me something to play to because otherwise i'm literally teaching my monitor and that's not so much fun i'm not gonna lie <laughs> that's
2: what like so much my students are in the chat and nor mentioning it yeah it's just there is something different and um, depending on also how big the classes are. Sometimes you don't have too much time for lectures or you have to do like today class only to just the lecture only and no critiques. Um, so I think it's, it's interesting how, like she was saying, how um, the learning experience can be different and some people just, you know, do better online um, just at their own pace in the way, you know, it's more about lectures and less about critiques. So yeah, whatever, whatever works better for them. Although yeah. I'm really used... To uh, being whole all the time, gotta say I like that.
3: Yeah, yeah. I, don't, I, don't yeah have the, that. Uh, I think we can all agree that the human experience is way better when you're in sight. But the fact mm-hmm. that anyone that is way far from from a good school can pretty much have That's access it. to the best instructors in the world is going to surpass any you know mm-hmm. human experience that would be great to, exactly. to, to have. They, they just don't even have the option uh, anyway, exactly. right? Exactly.
1: And it's hard to measure the impact you've given to that, like on that person's life, that like they wouldn't otherwise not have an opportunity to learn something that you're able to teach them. Yeah, it's kind of huge. It's kind of huge. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
3: Hey, and we take it for granted today. But I remember that when I first learned about animation mentor, I was like, Oh my yeah. god, what, what? changes everything? <laughs> those kids can have so access cool. to all those amazing animators at Pixar. Yeah. Are you kidding me? <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, they, they. They started a pretty interesting revolution. For for sure. I have
1: a related question that, uh, that mm-hmm. you know, I, I, we kind of touched on this a little bit when we were um, during the 24 hour uh, challenge. We, um, I remember touching on this a little bit when I had you and Sir Wade and the, the Pratt brothers all on the line at the same time. Uh, this, this idea of like, okay, so we've talked about work and how like how busy that can get. We've talked mm-hmm. about, um, you know, uh, teaching and how busy that can get. But when you add on top of that, the fact you have a YouTube channel, the mm-hmm. fact that you have a family, like how, like, w- like, w- like, I'm sure it's not always easy. Like there's like to, j- to juggle <laughs> all of that, you know, there are pressures and strains that happen there that I think that all three of us are familiar with. Cause we all are kind of like, you know, people of passion. We love this stuff so much that we can pour our entire lives into it, but we have multiple facets of our life. So like, do mm-hmm. you want to touch on that at all? I'm just curious, what kind of tricks have you learned? And like, what's it like being John and like being someone who has so much to give, but there's only 24 hours <laughs> of the day. You know what I mean? Like,
2: I'm curious. I think, like, it, I think it comes down to that. Um where not that i'm old old but i'm still older like i'm gonna be 44 and you're mature weeks i'm mature. <laughs> yes let's 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 call it mature
1: yeah and to like me a, like it's a like, fine wine
2: yeah maybe <clears throat> yeah. some old stale water i feel oh. like it's just it's, there's just a lot of stuff that i don't want to wait like i don't schedule out my channel where like in six months i'll do this or in a year yeah. I'll do this i just want to put everything out there because you know like someone this might help someone right now, and in six months it might be too late. But it's not my its not my driving force in terms of I have to do this right now. But this, this is my schedule. I can do whatever I want. My yeah. thing is always family and then work, right? Anything yeah. has to evolve around the main break giver paying the bills, but always looking at what is the work-life balance with family and kids. Mm-hmm. And if I have time, then I go on YouTube. I, for me, it's family, work, and teaching – like in that order, and the teaching spans out in different ways. And if I'm super busy, if you follow me on my channel, sometimes you realize that there's nothing new. I just upload yeah. my critiques because I have a thousand of them. I have an archive that I'm just uploading, yeah. but nothing else is coming because I don't have time. And I don't, mm. I'm not approaching YouTube as like a business where these are my subscribers, they're expecting this schedule. Yeah. I'm happy to have my self-imposed schedule because I need this, I need deadlines otherwise I don't do anything. But if I can do anything, then I'm not doing anything, and if I lose subscribers, then that's not, not my problem. If you, I'm, I'm just there to help, hopefully, and if you gain anything from that, that's great, but I'm not doing this as in, oh, this is the day I gotta do something. Got so you. like, that for me is not, there's no pressure on that right. end, but I like doing a lot, that's why I'm continuing. Actually, as I always say, my, my arc analysis on Thursdays, I learn so much from that for myself, that's frequently one I won't miss because it helps me, it's very selfish. The critiques are always gonna come up and sometimes I have reviews because people send me free stuff and then that's either on the contract or as a favor. So I definitely wanna honor that. Um, The ones that are probably the most useful to people that I neglect the most are the Friday FNAs, the lectures, because they take a lot of time, especially when you animate an example. That's so much time that I just don't have all the time. So again, I don't feel the pressure. It sucks for people who are waiting for it, but I'm not gonna compromise family time or work time or anything because of that. Like, YouTube is an extra thing that is fun for me, but it's not, you know.
1: I think you're. Well, you're to that. I'm, I'm. I'm glad to hear that because I mean, I think we've all heard the stories of many YouTubers do get sucked in. It's a slippery slope because it becomes like there's a lot of interesting factors there. Part of it, it ends up being like, well, I have these people that log on and they they expect me to have new content, whether or mm-hmm. not they're subscribing. Like when as soon as you have subscribership, that even changes altogether because now they're technically paying you money because they like your content, they're supporting you, so now you feel even more like you know so like i think it's it's very really easy it's easy to get sucked down into that, that that volcano i agree with everything you're saying i'm not. this is not like some sort of counterpoint It's just that i'm Good I'm, I'm 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 excited to see that you're finding that balance and i mean i think that it sounds like the key is like it's that's your free time, but I'm sure there are things that are being sacrificed though. You mentioned a couple of them on a, on the 24 hour stream. Like for instance, you met you, I think you gestured to a pile of like video games that are still in their packages. Like for instance, <laughs> like things that, you know, it's the graveyard yes. of things you kind of wish you had time for over there
2: somewhere. It is. It I is, mean, yes. what,
1: what are the other things that you've sacrificed in, in your mind to, to be able to, to handle those three important things, you know, which were family work, YouTube. What, what else got, what, what else got in the, the
2: graveyard? Probably playing video games and reading books mm. and anything anything that's you can almost call it me time. Like movies don't really go away because my wife loves movies as well. That so I need cool. to like like she's not super into horror movies. So like the sacrifice would be if I have free time, I'm deciding who do I spend that time with. If I do let's say VR, because I love VR, it's the helmet on, and then people I can I can cast it, mm-hmm. but people are still not quite involved. So mm-hmm. it's a it's a very somewhat isolating thing, at least for family members and stuff. Unless you know, like my little one plays Beat Saber, and then we laugh, and it's like there's some good stuff you can do there. Times. But if I if I have free time and I choose something where I exclude other people, I'm just not going to do it. If I play some video game or watch a horror movie, that's mostly me. I could, right? I could get up in the morning or stay up late, but I just choose to do something with. My wife or my kids, so I can I can be involved there. So the sacrifice would be specific movies that she wouldn't watch or video games that other people wouldn't play. But at the same time, you know, again, I could just stop teaching and just play. Like, it's not like I miss it, but it's not like a massive sacrifice. You know what I mean? Like it's not. If it comes that bad, then I will stop yeah. something. But sure. so far, it's not. It's not really a massive problem. But again, it's also because, for instance, YouTube is not my job.
1: Yeah, you yeah, mean, that's like it. I think the that's, I
2: that's the key. If I have a million or two million people and that's your job, my approach is totally different. Then it yeah, would yeah. be that's the schedule and that's what yeah, they're yeah. expecting, and you know, yeah, they pay yeah. for blah 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 blah. Yeah, yeah. So right now, because it's not my job, I also I would say I care less. Not that I don't care, but it's not my priority. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, I just
1: I think there's a lot of output from you on that YouTube channel for someone who <laughs> doesn't care so much. Like I, <laughs> I get it. I'm paraphrasing, <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm I'm just, right, look, right, I, right. I'm just I think I'm, I'm. I think I'm so into this question because I'm naturally curious. Because I really like doing it too. I like creating the content a lot, uh-huh. but fi- finding that balance is is a tricky thing. And I'm just. Uh, I'm just I mean, just. It's. I'd like to expose this to people because a lot of people that watch your stream and Sir Wade's stream. That's just part of the story that's not often talked about. This mm-hmm. sort of there are sacrifices and like yeah sure you like mm-hmm. doing it but you are putting a lot of stuff out there and that's uh, that's not without its cost. So well, the thank the for all that you do
2: is always. Well, you're very welcome. The biggest sacrifice real. is time. Yeah, the older I get, and sleep. To me, the no. See, the thing is, I never skimp on sleep. It's always six to eight hours, depending if, if my dog lets me sleep. But that's always the thing. I go to bed and have my schedule of waking up, going to sleep, regardless of what happens. Sometimes I'm really tired and I feel like I gotta recover. I go to bed at nine, but that means I'm gonna sacrifice. You know, I'm not gonna do whatever Friday clip or on YouTube. Then I just don't do it. Now you're right. There is always a sacrifice. For me, it's always time, and I do care. Otherwise, I wouldn't do it. Yeah, I know. But it's n- it's never, you know, it's never at the detriment of something else. But yeah, yeah like to me, right now at this stage in my old wine life, uh, time <laughs> is the biggest thing. Like if, if I could somehow get more time, yeah, uh, that would be great. There's so much I want to do. I mean, another sacrifice would be me learning things. Yeah, like I would like true. to just take a month off, yeah. not care about anybody else. And just learn, like, you know, Blender, Blender, Unreal, yeah, exactly. like just software stuff. Or yeah, exactly. just a new it's skill. Or... It's always something. I think that is a bigger thing. Like, me doing yeah. my own animation, when I did that attack sequence, I stopped uploading. So that's yeah. that. Like, I need the time yeah. to animate. And I can yeah. only animate in the morning, in the evening, and weekends, maybe weekends. Yeah. yeah. So I have to choose what am I not going to do. So the immediate thing to throw out is YouTube. I'm not going to yeah, throw out work or family. No. No. So it's that's kind of that. But it's... yeah. Yeah, the, the juggling of time is something, but the thing is, like I said, is I like doing it, so it never feels like it's bad or a sacrifice. Yeah. But every yeah. now and then, I look at my pile, like I got a really cool <laughs> Nintendo book, like the history of Nintendo, NES stuff. And I wanted really to like, take a week and read it. <laughs> but
1: <laughs> There really is like a graveyard there. We should give them little tombstones. It could stick on the ground and like rest in peace. Hmm. Hold on. Hold on. Can yeah. I... But,
3: but well, I agree. That there, it, oh, here it is. there it is. There's ah, the It really
0: is. It's
3: there. It's this pile. It's hard to see. That's behind the scenes, right there, everybody.
2: It's behind mm. the scenes. There. I go back up. I like it.
3: Camera. But I agree. That there are some stuff that you kind of just stop doing, and it doesn't. It doesn't really bother you. But the sacrifice is really to not do the thing that you would really like to be, uh, to be doing. There's a, and that was the same thing for for me. I didn't want to cut. Uh, too much on sleep. I didn't want to cut on uh, uh, family time. Uh, mm-hmm. But this meant that there's a lot of project or ideas or thing that people came to me with that I used to say yes to everything. And now I would say it's, at least 50-50. <laughs> it's 50% yes. no and 50% yes. And there are some of those ideas like this is an amazing idea. You're someone that you're. I would absolutely like to collaborate with. But mm-hmm. right now, it. Uh, I'm sorry, it just doesn't fit with the, uh, the the big picture of what That's I, a very I have good to do. and and that was the same thing with there's a lot of thing that i stopped like video game don't really miss it i am mm-hmm. watching way less series and, and film i say watch a little bit of them doesn't uh i am spending less time to go hang out with friends uh, uh hanging in a uh, in a bar on a random tuesday evening doesn't mm-hmm. miss it that much but there's some stuff that i cut, like uh, photography, video, music. Uh, I was playing guitar that I cut mm-hmm. for many years. And at some point, I was like, you know what? Those things uh, I really do miss. So it's almost right. like I got rid of all the things that were not essential. And over time, those that slowly creep back into feeling that, ah, in many years I- I'm going to regret uh, having let go of those things. Those are the mm-hmm. ones that naturally ca- came back and that's it. All the rest is is... Is behind. Maybe one day I'll get back to 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 those after I'm done with everything that I want to to do. But in the meantime, they're they're in the graveyard and it's fine. Yeah, I go in blocks where I stop watching things and then I
2: play only video games because I do really like playing video games. Um, so I sometimes I structure things, but I've gotten better at also saying no because I've also got into I don't say trouble, but I, I, there was like this mountain of I have stuff to do because I say yes to everything. And my wife is the first one to go. You know, maybe you should say no to this one. Like, but it's really cool. Like, nah, you don't have time. And she knows. And I have to trust my wife more about that. I just want to say yes to everything. So I've started just recently. Someone sent me on on, the, on the LinkedIn a message. Hey, here's six shots. Can you can you critique them for me? And I said, listen, I would love to, but first of all, that's a lot of work. And I just don't have time. And now it's very self-serving. But I go like, here's my my workshop link yeah that's a reserved spot if you really totally. need feedback
3: so i'm and slowly pushing you, back but and you tricky. have to and you have to deal with the guilt that you feel yeah. of <laughs> not saying yes to everyone and after that to take a step back and you know, why am i even feeling guilty to not providing free review to this stranger that i didn't know before yeah, but, someone, but somehow someone did it for me and i don't know i always feel
2: yeah. like you know just five minutes really i have five minutes instead of going downstairs and eating chocolate just take five minutes and look at the shot i could have it there's actually one Whoa. thing that i have that has you would sacrifice um,
1: chocolate eating is what you just said that's maybe a, not. that's a sacrifice <laughs> maybe not maybe not okay that's what i thought
2: no it's let's, too far. Be, let's it's keep too far. it
1: realistic okay let's not yeah, come on. it's no. supposed to be a transparent conversation chocolate. Let's, let's keep it honest everybody
2: no organizing time and uh you know, knowing when to put something—I don't know—in uh, mm-hmm. as a priority is important. There's a project that I started actually before Christmas um, that I have at zero time. There was a wind that was going to to do something with it, and then it stopped. And enough time over Christmas and up until now, and uh, that's something I want to go back to. I've been really announcing it. it's kind of like a thing I'm working on the side. Might as well
3: mm-hmm.
2: maybe say it. Like, it's like basically what I'm trying to do. Like whenever I do my own stuff or teach, I realize that there's too much stuff that's um kind of separate like you have to find things and and hunt and one thing i was trying to to do i I hire people like i even put money into this it's basically i want to do kind of like an animation store it's technically ready i got the name the domain everything is ready but they're waiting for me to test the store to give them feedback and i haven't had time yet and they only have like you know like a year of support that's running out But that's something that I want to get back to. It's basically a gumroad for animation. Like you can create your accounts, you can post your rigs, all that stuff. And that's something I have massively neglected. But again, it's because I have work and family that has to come first. But every now and then I take on a project. This one's a bit more heavy in terms of investment. And then it's on the side. And that's a daily daily um, guilt that I have. Oh, for sure. And I need to get back to that because I do, I'm running out of, you know, like I said, tech support for all that, but That, I do want to do. So anything, everybody listening, this is coming. It's not really officially announced, except kind of now kind of talked about it. Pretty cool. But I want to do that where it's kind of like a centralized hub of assets and things, so you don't have to look for stuff. Basically, what Animation Buffet is 10 years ago. I'm I'm coming back to that main idea. Because that was what was supposed to be Animation Buffet, was a buffet of things to pick and choose. Yeah, And they ended up being only rigs, and I just kind of the the rig collection site. So... I don't know. And that's like its own thing now. So that's why I I have a different name for it. And I'm I'm the domain or whatever, but that's its new separate thing. So maybe watch out for that. May, June. You heard it here first, everybody. Heard it here
3: first.
2: I need need to put it out there. So I have more guilt. Otherwise I will never get to it.
1: That's it. Yeah. Now we can, now you have everyone in chat can now. That's your job. Everyone heard that he needs the positive pressure. Give him what he needs. A little bit of guilt every day. That's it.
3: And that's an, another interesting part, because we, we talked about your you being a professional animator, being a uh, a teacher, both online and uh, on-site, uh, mm-hmm. being a content creator uh, on YouTube. But there's also, you know, all of Spongella and this website that you started as well, mm-hmm. uh, where, again, I, I'm always fascinated to see, because there's a vast majority of people that have great ideas but they never spend the time to execute and mm-hmm. on the other side of, of the spectrum there's people like you like JD do, that actually do something about it to the point that you're like oh my god this guy is just not sleeping he's just producing <laughs> so so much uh, so again uh, Spangela where is it coming from where is the motivation and inspiration coming from so from the idea itself to the time and the sacrifice needed to right. actually put it off. That one was because um, I
2: did a blog for the Academy way back. That's basically when a student is sick, I can, I can you know point them to that blog, say, listen, here's the post, this, this is the curriculum, this, that's the, the lecture, blah, blah, blah. And then after a while, I realized I just put in like Academy of Art, dot blogs, something like that. And I never really checked with the school in terms of, do I have <laughs> the permissions to do this? So of then course. let me switch this to another name. And that's how it became Spongella. Because um, I always talk to the students about soaking up as much as you can, mm. as much information, like a sponge. And then in Switzerland, there was a store, and they, there was a product called Spongella. And then I did some domain copywriting, and no one owned anything. Not that I owned the copyright to that. Now I said this, and now someone's going to you know, swoop that up. But so I did Spongella, <laughs> <Do> I- <laughs> and, and that's that's what it you know, <laughs> yeah. continued to be. So it's mostly a, a extra resource center for students who – missed out on the class we wanted more information students who in between semesters and that's kind of how it grew into workshops so if you're graduated and you want to continue with my feedback that's what the workshops are there for um so everything's kind of funnels into that and then i just started doing youtube because i asked my students like where do you learn and they said youtube it's like yeah me too like i do a how to <laughs> i go on youtube so I might as well take all my written stuff and now do lectures and you know whatever the next format is going to be i was Pivot to that and like whatever, whatever is easier for people to learn right now, it seems to be very visual. Some people still prefer text. So I might one point go back into, you know, maybe posting some topics in in written form. But again, it takes time. It's much faster to just record and talk. Um, So yeah, that's kind of
3: that's how it started so when is the day that um we can ask siri or alexa to teach us animation and it's actually your voice that's going to
2: you know you you laugh but i looked into this i looked into the uh oh i'm sure you did did. there's alexa has some sorry i shouldn't say the name because now she's listening i should turn her off but you got the everybody to listening i was looking into that i even started a podcast a year ago where i thought let me just alexa stop
1: (laughs) He just ordered a pizza by accident
2: that's music playing <laughs> alexa stop it <laughs> please okay good so yeah I, I wanted to do a podcast where every time i post something on youtube some people just prefer to listen to it i would not just rip the audio but kind of retell it in a shorter form where it's just audio you don't need visuals um, and i got maybe like five episodes <laughs> and then i stopped. Again, that's like one of the sacrifices. I would like to continue because I get that every now and then a message. Hey, can you just do this in audio form? Um, And I had it already where I had like a microphone set up in my car (laughs) because I'm stuck in in the commute. So let me just talk about this. And I'm already stuck doing nothing. Might as well talk about things and I can put that on on my podcast. But then, you know, stuff happened and that's one of those sacrifices. I would like to go back to it, but, you know kids everything.
1: That's a good life lesson, right there. The idea of like using pockets of time to sort of double up on activities. Like I know mm-hmm. David does this. He said, he, you know, he was mentioning how he gave up photography for a long time. I noticed the way he's brought that back into his life for anyone who's ever watched him on Instagram. He'll go on a vacation with his family. And that's when he breaks out. Like, you know, he goes, he's quite prolific during a trip and he's, he's beautiful pictures. And that, that seems to be when he does it. So, you mm-hmm. know, I guess one of the, one of the tricks to, to be more efficient with a busy life is to try to find out where are the overlaps? Where, can we actually get yes. a couple of things going on at the same time like like doing audio recordings while stuck in traffic in uh in uh, in California right like it's this is the kind of this is the kind of thing you have to start thinking on that level otherwise there literally is not enough time in the day to do all the things you want to do
2: I try to do something that I could do one thing that feeds everything else so if I do yeah. a personal animation at home I learn it's material for my students it's a lecture for YouTube it's like and I want to do it because I like it. I mean, it's, not, it's I don't want to do anything that is just one thing that takes up a ton of time and that, and it doesn't benefit other people. And I don't know, I like, if I already spend the time might as well do something that I can then reuse in other places.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, so I, I want to open things up to chat just because I've been promising Mm -hmm. them by the way, chat for some reason, I, my chat is broken, so I can no longer interact with you via chat. I don't know what happened to restream. Like when I type in anything, it just doesn't get sent. So, Oh, now it does, of course, because it wants to make a liar out of me. I, tr- I swear I sent like three messages a minute ago and they weren't happening anyways. Um, so if I've been telling them to hold off, because I don't want to get the-, the questions to be buried. So if you mm-hmm. have had a good question you've already written down or you have one you've been holding on to, around now is a good time to start dropping them. I'll start scanning through. Um, so I, I'll start this off by, have, by asking one of the questions that got sent to us um, in advance. And the question okay. is a bit of a classic one. And I always, I always like asking this one, even though I roll my eyes at this question myself, it's always interesting to hear people's different perspective on this because it is a real question and people are still scared about it. And that is of course, for the, th- probably for the <laughs> thousandth time, um, Motion motion capture, do you see it ever replacing keyframe animation?
2: <laughs> no. Um, Why? <laughs> when I was, you know, a, student, a long time ago, I went to one SIGGRAPH, and then every booth had motion capture, and it was just going to replace keyframe. And and what, eight, 17, 18 years later, it still hasn't really – really, I mean, it really depends on your – um, on your style, I mean, for sure. like I wouldn't want to do something for real with fifty humans running around keyframe. Like no way. You have, yeah, let's do mocap. It just if the style calls for it, absolutely. I don't want to do a keyframe. But if it's something that you have more control over and it's cartoony or a creature thing you can't capture, you're always going to do it by hand. I say always, and then soon we're going to have AI and deep fakes and you know take everything away. But uh as of now, I don't really. There is a place for keyframe. There's a place for mocap only for the reel. There's a place to combine it. You can mocap previous just to fill out your story reel and then keyframe it. I mean, like, cartoony companies are using mocap suits as well. It's just, there is a time and place. I just got a mocap suit at home. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I love go, right? it. It's great. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. I don't know. That, to me, is not really an issue.
3: Yeah, uh, I, I agree. For me, it was always, I don't know, I always saw mocap as something that's going to replace something that we can either not do in keyframe, or that would be extremely long and boring to do in in keyframe. <laughs> so either way, <laughs> it, it's not a negative thing uh, at all. I I, uh-huh. I remember, as you said, like fifteen years ago. Oh my god, keyframe is going to go. Uh, the industry is going to die, and those were often the the, the same. Uh, people are like, oh my God! They're now emerging countries have animation studios, so all the studio in the U.S. and Canada are going to disappear. Uh, I think we we can agree was wasn't really the case. The no. industry is still striving, so yeah. it, it's just a different tool in the uh, the the, the yeah. toolkit for me.
1: It's important to note too, that like even game companies that, you know, they talk a lot about motion capture being um, the, the the number one thing they go to. Like, you know, companies like Ubisoft is a good example of a company that does a lot of very realistically rendered games. And so naturally it makes l- like economical sense for them to leverage motion capture. But mm-hmm. anyone who's ever worked as an animator on a video game can tell you the amount of editing that needs to be done to that motion capture is quite a bit. And let me tell you right now to set the record straight, that does not mean editing mocap is not the same as cleaning it up. When you're editing mocap, you are making quite a lot of creative decisions, and you're you're making a lot of structural changes to it to compress it, to you know, to exaggerate it. And um, that in itself, if you open your mind to it and your heart to it, there is actually a, a great deal of creativity that can be had for that. So, so if you're scared of it you shouldn't be you should just learn a little bit more about it you might just find out that it's another type of artistic expression that you might actually really enjoy it's not as brainless Mm -hmm. as it as it sounds yes cleaning up mocap is not something i would sign up to do even though there's a science to that and like people are very happy doing that job it's not Mm -hmm. really for me and probably not for a lot of a lot of keyframe animators but it's surprising what could be done there so don't count it out there's a lot to be to be
3: had Uh I would just add to that if you are absolutely forced to clean mocap for a couple of weeks or a couple months uh uh, some of the best keyframe animator that were able to animate physics super rapidly and i has asked them how how can are you able how is your brain able to process Mm -hmm. what it needs in terms of motion many times was because well i work with mocap a lot so yep. i've been observing animation That's curves it. on every part of the body exactly. for so long mm-hmm. that my brain understood just physics and locomotion yep. and all that so if yep. anything you you don't have to like it uh, although it, it, it could uh, be the case but at the very least take this opportunity to analyze yeah. realistic motion and you want to mm. get it
1: it is like the world's best animation reference like you can't beat it like it's like data captured in 3d it's it's like a camera that can see all of the all the angles all at the same time so it's not any different than that It's just a lot more efficient at giving you all the information so you can learn a crap ton of body mechanics from just working with it like just through osmosis you actually pick up on a lot of things because you're forced to study this thing from a from a very very frame by frame level in a way that you can't otherwise um okay i'll grab another question from here um There is a really good one that just swung by here that I wanted to bring up, and that was um, right here. So we have a question which is, if you could give an advice to your younger self, just starting to learn animation, what would that be? It's another classic, but it's always a good one.
2: That is a classic one. Um, I would say, fill more reference. (laughs) Yeah, it's true. <laughs> Study Absolutely. more stuff so that you have just plan more. I think a lot of times I would just go straight into the shot and start something, and then I would waste a ton of time noodling around because I didn't know what to do. Um, and I think at this point it would be just I would prefer you spend more time planning and having then a clear you know, idea of what to do. Like you know, when I mean, you have a shot and Maya crashes or whatever, and then you have to redo it, you're always faster because you know what to do and you've done it before. So repetition and planning is such a huge thing. I would, that would one of the first thing
3: I would tell myself and eat
2: more chocolate. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah. There should always be more chocolate in your diet.
3: I agree. It's one of the things I was always saying my my, my students. Maybe it was overkill, but for me, it's like, do not undervalue the amount of preparation that needs to be done. And I, I had this like 10% rule. If you have one day to animate a shot, spend the first hour just figuring out what you're going to do. If you have a week, spend the first half day. If you have two weeks, spend the first day. If you have three months, maybe four days to just figure out exactly what you're going to, to do. Uh, it always pays up. At the end, that's for sure. There's some really, really interesting, interesting
2: questions in the chat. By the way, if we don't get to your questions, uh, if yeah. you're on Twitter, I retweeted that we're live. Just reply to that and ask you a question there. Maybe I can combine that into uh, for my YouTube channel, like a little q a with all that stuff. But there was one that says, "How many times have you watched Star Trek's Next Generation?" I love yeah. that question. That was the next one. That was <laughs> that was my next one. That's amazing. It's uh, yeah. it's it's Whoa. perfectly off topic. Answer that question, though. A lot. And what I do yes, is, because I, I watched it in German and I watch it in English. So I go through a run through of all in German and then all in English. <laughs> I don't always watch a lot of times. I just listen to it. Um, so the answer is a lot. And actually one, one that I love is X-Files and mm-hmm. uh, ER, the old ER TV show. That, those oh, are the yeah. only two shows I watched uh, in English, French, and German. All the, funny. all the way through is, in all languages. So, good. Is there
1: a movie that's on your list? Because I have a few movies that I watch like like religiously when I'm working because I don't have to watch it. I can mm-hmm. listen to it but because I, I know it so well. I can see the right. pictures in my head. It's just as entertaining as watching it. So what would be the movies on your list? I'm curious.
2: The Pugitive, um, Demolition oh, really? Man, Lord of the okay. Rings, Star Wars, other Jones ghostbusters back to the
1: future i knew it go
2: classic ghostbusters is a classic old classic stuff but um, yeah yeah, a lot of these
1: aliens the second one by james cameron is another one that's on my list because i know that movie like word by word yes like it's no problem that's awesome Mm -hmm. okay i got another question for you let me just uh it's almost like i can just do like roulette here now because there's so many of them um how really? long does it take
2: to animate a good 30-minute oh. scene? Who has oh. a 30-minute scene? That's long. That is a long scene. Like, I mean... Holy moly. Yeah. Like, one scene, it's
1: like one scene without any cuts? That's just nuts.
2: I'm not sure. That, that must no, be no, no. rephrased. I'm not sure. I haven't seen Godzilla versus King Kong so, yet. I so, will this weekend, probably.
1: I threw up another question on the screen here. As somebody who is only using Tween Machine, what do you think are the most useful or helpful plugins for an anime... Uh, for animation to help create a more effective workflow? So that's a good question, like, because tooling is like, it's like, it's all about efficiency, right? It's about making your job, like quality of life as an animator easier. I'm sure mm-hmm. working at ILM, you probably have a lot of proprietary tools. Um, I'm wondering, mm-hmm. you know, maybe maybe a better way of asking this question is, is there anything that you use outside of your job, maybe on your stream or on your on your channel? Are there tools that you feel like people should be uh, aware of or, or, or look into learning more about?
2: No, because I haven't really animated that much. Now that I started again, I'm missing all my mm. tools. So it's good. There's gonna yeah. be that's one of the sacrifice things. I gotta take time to yeah. find yeah. equivalent tools that I have at mm. work, you know, that we can get um at home. Like for instance, I haven't used Animbot. Um and that's one yeah. I wanna I wanna use for sure. Definitely worth checking. I don't out. use Tweet Machine either, but I've noticed that it's kinda like I do a lot of Setting key, setting a key, and I feel like mm, I prefer this moment. And I, I set a key, maybe seventy percent there. Middle yeah. mouse click over, right?
1: Exactly. I've never felt the need to key machine because it's like you just you know the middle mouse button does all that for you, right? Just a couple more clicks.
2: Yeah. But I totally then again, agree. I know like there's definitely a ton of stuff. I think there's one um, for an effective workflow. There's so many. One that I want to find online is a um, and I found it years ago, but I have to go back to finding it. Is a random key generator. So basically, you say every eight frames, 10 frames, 12 frames, set a key, and it creates a random thing. Um, just a nice and, and easy noise generator. Because I use that a lot for camera work and just like extra add ons, so like jiggle and stuff. Um, but for an effective workflow, to be honest, it's not even just a tool. Again, it comes down to planning, reference yeah. planning, acting things out, and just brainstorming your idea as much as you can. Because to me, my workflow is repetition. You just get better at it because you do it over and over and over but none of that helps like none of those tools tween machine none of that helps if you don't know what you want to do
1: it's totally true totally so for true.
2: me it's like i sit down and i visualize and i i try to find the yeah. shot as much as i can which is great from home because no one sees me doing nothing at work because it used to be that i just sit there <laughs> and i think like we're not doing anything yep. so i don't yep. thumbnail i can't draw i don't thumbnail so for me it's like i start a shot if i have the time obviously I try to think about it until I really know what it's going to be. And then I animate yep. it. Sometimes you just I, go into the shop. It happens. But
1: I think that's really good advice because I think that a lot of, um, a lot of people that start off with animation, they're obsessed with like, okay, what software should I use? What plugin should I use? And it really mm-hmm. just like you, you already have a great deal of things to master first, just learning how to do it the way that the software is already, you know, designed to be used. and You will get to a point where you feel like there's things that could be sped up, or there's things that could be maybe made mm-hmm. a little easier, at which point you will be looking for a tool that helps you with that. It's different than sort of starting with a bunch of tools and trying to find things to, to to use them for. It'd be like learning how to like like learn all about electricity, but not having any ideas what to do with it. It'd be like what useful what what use is having a big bag of cool things that you can do, but you have no application in your mind yet. So I would yeah, say that's, that's a start good point. off. By learn how to animate first and then learn how to make your life a little bit more easier as you as you as you mature as an animator.
2: Yeah. Anything where you have to you realize that it's a repetitive workflow, yeah. anything where you have to constantly repeat things, yeah. that probably is a need of a tool just to exactly. save time. But I would try to know those things without the tools.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like Anabot is a lot of a lot of that. Like, I mean there's a lot of tools in Anabot, but a lot of there's a whole section that's there in there that's that has to do with being able to quickly set up constraint parent with childlike relationships with just like, and it cleans up after itself, after it's done, rather than, you know, breaking out the locators, setting up the constraints manually, baking it. And then like, you, you could do all these things manually. It just takes a little longer. You'll actually appreciate a tool like that even more if you've done it the hard way in the past, you know, like, so, I mean, I don't know. So I, the other, other, only other one I would add to the list that I think is worth looking into, if you're curious, is Studio Library, and it's free. It's a really useful Ooh, tool for yeah. saving up poses, saving up an animation. I mean, it's it is a, it's God's gift to animation, as far as I'm concerned, especially because it's free. So I would definitely go check it out. It's easy to find. It's StudioLibrary.com. I think is something. It's as easy as that. Google will help you. Just type in Studio Library, as well as Animbot. It's very, very, very good. It goes
2: back into anything that's repetitive, right? They want to redo the same hand poses or whatever.
1: Exactly. It can speed things up dramatically. They're good for productions as well, so people can use the same poses as opposed to them being all over the map, you know. Um,
2: I can't actually scroll, scroll down the chat windows. I'm missing... Oh, you Sweet can't. Questions?
1: Oh yeah. There's tons. I'm, I'm, don't worry. I'm just going to pick them out oh, okay. and just so then, anybody,
2: you know, you really want to ask me questions, go on Twitter and just exactly there. And then if, I'll if it.
1: you, if we don't get to them, which is very likely because we only have like about 18 minutes left of this uh, stream, <laughs> please do, you know, hit up uh, JD with uh, some Twitter love after this. So here's another one. This is a good one. Um, I think that, uh, it could be, uh, you know, I think it's on a lot of people's minds these days because uh, mm-hmm. the industry has been shifting. Um, you know, curious to your perspective on this question. I mean, ILM specifically, I mean, you don't have to speak about ILM, obviously, because, you know, like you want to don't want to get any hot water. But a, mm-hmm. a lot of VFX companies, a lot of big companies have shifted towards a little bit more of a contractual uh, model with their hires, um, mm-hmm. It just for lots of really, you know, big reasons. Curious, mm-hmm. like, where, like in your mind and in David's mind, I mean, do you guys see that there are still jobs that can be had that are more full-time, less contractual? And where, where
3: are these jobs if they exist? Uh, for me, honestly, I, in this perspective, I've, I haven't seen that much. Uh, the The market has evolved for sure. But when, when I got out of school, I would say 80% of the job were... Short-term contract, and there was some of those big studio like uh, uh, Ubisoft Montreal, for instance, was one of those. It's that in video game there was more, uh, uh, but in VFX and animated feature it was often like one movie. Um, so I, I don't. It, it kind of evolved over time, but I, I think there are some studio that will be more than happy to give you know contract with no uh, uh, no end, and other studio will be more like project to project. And I would say there's a lot of people. It, it really depends if you prefer to have a long-term job. There's definitely some studios that can provide this. Uh, and in my experience, video game studio were some of those studios that they would provide this, especially compared to animated feature. That it was more often. Well, it's for this project, and we'll probably have another project afterwards. But you know, we'll 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 get back to you uh, before that. So. If you're looking for a lockdown job, I would say, yes, it just, you know, just make sure to know where to look at, to have those opportunities.
1: I feel like the gaming industry is still one of the last bastions of this. Like it just feels like the game companies tend to be looking for a lot of permanent hires. I don't know why it's different for games, but at least in Mm -hmm. Canada, that seems to be a trend uh, where a lot of the visual effects companies all over the world. um, And like, you know, I don't know. I mean, it, there's always full-time jobs. It's just that there's like, there's a core team that people, you know, you know they keep around and then there's, there's there's seasonal employees depending on when they have a big show to get done. But most of those people are just jumping from one job to the next job anyways, especially if you're um, back in, you know, if you're living in the Bay Area, there's like so many of those places, so many jobs there that people are just jumping from one to one And then there's a lot, of, a lot of people from Montreal that went down there. I know a lot of them, like David's one of them, a bunch of our sort of circle of friends, a lot of people worked down in that area for a long time and they were like jumping from one company to the next like every other like half a year like it was crazy like one from yeah. one one big busy production to the next
3: but to, to to me what i've seen is that it's almost like studios are following the the the, the trend there's it, it used to be especially one or two generations before you know having a long-term job that you start and you're going to retire mm-hmm. was almost like a, a a goal nowadays it seemed that people much prefer to have flexibility rather yeah. than having uh, Uh, security so i I would i would almost take a step back for someone that is like oh where can i uh, uh, is it possible to find a long-term job okay ask yourself your question why is it for job security yes it's job for security okay let me give you the best tip for job security work on your craft yeah because whatever studio you're going to go at if you're average or below average you might you lose your your job, even if your contract is a, 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 you know doesn't have a, any ends uh, in sight. So uh, I would say job security, work on your craft. If you are a talented artist, especially in the admission industry right now with the explosion of content, don't don't be worried about uh, not having enough work. Just one caveat
1: to that idea, just because it's worth mentioning, of course, depending on when you're, where you live, that may or may not be an easy choice, right? Like, for mm-hmm. instance, if you're an American, it might be a lot more of an incentive for you to find a job that has benefits, because obviously uh, medical care is not exactly cheap down in mm-hmm. the States. And I don't want to turn into a political conversation, but we all know that, you know, especially with with news coverage, that there, that's sort of something that's being drilled into people a lot lately, where if you live in Canada or maybe some other countries that have more of a um, um, sort of a generalized healthcare system, then it's not as it's not as dangerous like I just went through this myself where I made the decision to be like well I mean why might why my why have I been trained to need a full-time job like a salary job when I could just work freelance the only thing that I really came down to was and I mean I had this conversation with David not so long ago where we' like he, he helped me work work my way through this mentally it was really just this and at the end of the day there was really no real danger to it because at the end of the day the government's going to take care of me if i really got sick thankfully because i live in canada so these are things that need to be considered usually when you're working contractually the pay is should be higher to compensate for that it's supposed to give you the money to be able to provide for your own insurance or whatever else that you might need need for like for as far as medical bills but i mean that that's something you need to spend a little bit of time looking into and everyone's going to be different on that that level like what you're going to need financially to make ends meet
3: It, it comes down to the classic freedom on one side and security yeah. on the other. Where totally. do you find yourself on this spectrum and totally. just make decisions according to those uh, values that you have?
1: So here's another one for um, for JD. So this came up really quickly in your introduction, but I mean, I think there's something specific here that is interesting. So like maybe just give everyone a quick update again. I where are Where were you born? Let's say, like, where, where, where's where was the My genesis? What, address what,
3: is that's, it's it, that's the moment.
1: it. Yeah, I want to know the exact second, if you don't mind, because you know people want to know. I'm just saying. I think that the interesting thing is you, you 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 well you you tell the story, but I think how you how you went from from where you where you're you living in Europe to mm-hmm. getting in animation. What were those steps? I'm curious, and I'm sure this person who asked, Lucio Manello. I actually know Lucio. Um, hey, hi, Lucio.
2: Uh, well, to answer this question, I am from Lucerne in switzerland so it's about an hour away from zurich okay depends how you drive how fast you drive i guess right um yeah, i guess so <laughs> yes uh yeah and i got into animation it's basically i'm born in the 70s i'm a child from the 80s as i always say so it's like mm. uh, it's special effects ilm all that explosion disney movies and later on pixar it's just that is the constant you know the influence of movies i've always liked that but i was never specifically into animation because i didn't know what the difference was and what you could do so to me was always i like movies and actually when i went to the academy the first class that i took and the first class i abandoned was was I, I signed up for visual effects and not and i made animation and then there was a lot of math and scripting and i realized that was not as hands-on as i wanted it to be so i walked out of the class and went to the advisor like i want to do something like blah 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 and she was oh you want to do animation then try this and then I went to you know that track and then got those classes. And then at the end of the school year, this animation classes came in, the actual ones, and I liked it. And that's kind of how I stayed. But I think I always it's almost weird that I'm not in video games. But the first thing I've done was playing video games. Like I'm that old, like I played Pong first and got Philips and then you know Atari, NES and all those. And then video games has always been the thing. And I think after that it became the flipbook thing of taking your whatever books, right? Or even if you have stash of Post-it notes and you do this, to just draw the things. And I think that's probably the earliest I've done in terms <laughs> of animation was that. And then pixel art. There was one called Take One, a German software. Mm-hmm. And I remember listening to James Bond and doing pixel art animation to James Bond and Star Wars. And unfortunately <laughs> I lost that hard drive and I will never have that initial um, thing. But I think that's what Genesis. it was the genesis was kind of that. Um, so it's mostly movies, but I like doing animation, but I don't, I don't know if that was always, I want to be an animator. Like, I, guess I, did, I had no idea, I wasn't educated enough to go that route. And then when I came here, um, that's how I got really into animation. I hope that answered the question. Somehow. I
1: think so. And you and you went to school at the um, the art, um, oh man. The Academy of
2: Art Academy College, of that, exactly. and that's called Academy of Art University in San okay. Francisco. Yeah. Okay.
1: And then you so taught that for a while to- after that, right?
2: bachelor's degree and then i came back and i was i'm still teaching there yeah so i oh, went that's back cool. to teach awesome. online i'm still there which is kind of yeah. funny you're just doing and now you're the, the teacher there so yeah hopefully that answers it
1: it's a good one um uh, okay so this one is actually so some so there there's a new person who who's working in behind the scenes at agora community his name is scott <laughs> hewitt he is um he's actually managing social and um and and being the person running that that particular part of our um our operation, so he actually messaged me through. I guess the best way to get him is on stream. So he's he's been getting questions like on on the social channels. So he figured this would be a good one to talk about. What is the future of working remotely from from maybe both of your perspectives? Like, it's a big question it's on everyone's mind these mm-hmm, days. Mm-hmm. What's what's mm-hmm. happening?
2: I hope it's there to stay.
3: Mm. Yeah, I would say That's we're definitely an we're definitely now living in the future. So. Let, let's uh, maybe pre, pre-pandemic, uh, uh, you know, mainstream remote work was the future. And now it's the, uh, it seems to be, it's definitely the uh, the present. Uh, the, the the trend I see at at least here in, in Montreal, but I think it's, uh, it's worldwide. And when I say the trend, I mean, I, I'm speaking with, you know, artists, supervisors, director, head of, head of studio, human resources, uh, there's, there's like 20% of the people that are like, I don't want to work from home ever again. Please, leave it <laughs> the studio. There's another 20% that are like, I'm never going to go back to the studio ever again. Working from home is amazing. There's no way I'm going back. And there's a vast majority, 60% roughly, that is in the middle. I'd like to have the flexibility. Uh, that, uh, you know, if there's something with the kids, if there's a snowstorm, if I feel a little bit, you know, I have a cold, I could work, but I don't want to be with uh, others. Or if I just don't feel, a little, have a little hangover, whatever the reason, <laughs> I want to have uh, this uh, opportunity. So... Hmm. I think the industry is going to evolve as most studio are going to provide this flexibility of you have a computer on site and either you can work locally from home or you have a remote desktop connection that's going to allow you to connect yourself uh, with the computer. Uh, I know there are some studio that are already considering that there's no more, you don't have your place at the studio. You actually reserve a spot uh, a few days ahead of time and naturally they will see how organically people uh, assemble. Uh, For instance, usually it's per production. Well, let's try to, let's leave chaos, decide how it should be. And if we have three production, are all the animators from all the three production are going to go together? Are we going to to see that it's based on interest or is based on expertise or because it's convenient to be with each other? So let's see how those floor are going to organize uh, uh, themselves. And I think that uh, there's so studio are now they didn't have a choice to uh, to open their eyes that, oh, my God, remote work is not only working, but it could be a good incentive for uh, um, uh, for the artist. Uh, But at the same time, all of the studios are like, oh, no, no, we we had to, but we don't really like it. We need people to be on site Uh, there. I mean, they're going to miss out to a huge incentive. There's a lot of people that will decide to go in another studio only because they do not provide this uh, opportunity. That's, I'm 100% sure about it. And there's a lot of people that realize that, oh, my God, I can work I can work from home, which means that I can work for any studio, which means that I can go from one cool project to another. Uh, I can reduce my cost of living because now I don't need this apartment in this uh, city that is way too expensive, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which means that all of a sudden I make the math and I can have two months of vacation a, a year. I can take a few weeks break in between. So I think it's just going to maybe break this the mold this idea that of the 40 hours a week with two or three or four uh, weeks of vacation that you plan ahead of time and, and all that is it, just going to shatter this idea and put a lot more option on the table for both studios and uh, artists as well
1: what's your sixth sense saying uh, there jd i
2: can only agree again i can't talk about ilm like i don't want to no talk no about no plans, don't expect you to do i'm talking global um, here i think for me it's Again, it depends. I guess it depends also where you work. Like we have like I've also stayed at the Island for so long because I really like the people there. It's just it's like your second family. And it's just it's so much fun to hang around there. So I do miss that. Like there's a, mm-hmm. the social aspect that I really miss there. I say this, but I'm the first one to go home at six, right? When the work is <laughs> not because I want to go and see my family. So I, the campus is also really nice. Again, depends where you work. I mean, I got a tour at uh, Disney feature during 2019 Ctn and their campus is just it's insane. Amazing. And then you got ILM, you got your costumes. Yeah, I like all the props, like the history of that. That stuff is so cool. You get to yeah, see same. the movies in, in the in the yeah. you know in the work theater. That's all really cool. At yeah. the same time, I also save commute like two hours a day at least oh man, is sure. saved. So to me, it's kind of like maybe half half depending on okay. what is needed. I mean, after a whole production from home and it totally works. And like ILM is really well set up. Again, I don't want to speak for them, but I can say it because it's something positive, but it's also true. We can do shows from home. Like there's no problem. And the quality is super high still. So I'm not concerned about ILM not being able to do that. Not at all. For me, it's just, Mm -hmm. if you animate something, can that be done from home? That's awesome. Do You need to come in for whatever reasons, right? Or your producer, client relationships, whatever. I don't know. And sometimes... Maybe something like really without any 100% lag, like you got to be there for lip sync. Mm. Maybe, I, I don't know. But again, after lip sync from home as well, it all works great. I think it depends where you're at, what company. Yeah. I think I can safely say ILM does a really good job from home. And I love being home. I've seen my wife and kids never as much, and it's been great. For sure. So I hope it's a, a way to continue to move forward. I understand why you need to be there in person. And all the things you said, I, it's, it opens up the job to so many more people.
1: Yeah, for sure. You know,
2: cost of living, disabilities, like just there's so much like, no, I can work everywhere now. Yeah. So I do hope that every company has at least an option. That's yeah. not like, because we have to, no, this is a new added pool of talents yep. we can grab that we weren't able to get before. Yep. And maybe those people get only certain types of shots because of technical limitations of streaming and remote logging, I don't know. But I just hope that's absolutely there to say. For sure. Again, some campuses are great; you want to be there. Some students are so small or something they don't really care. Uh, But I hope we don't go back to what it was before. There's so many awesome reasons to stay remote. For sure. I'm looking looking
1: forward to hopefully a high hybrid where there is the option to go Mm -hmm. in for like big events at least where you can mingle and have some face time and it just. But but to have that, but it just it needs to feel like it needs. It can't go back to like the expectation that you're there every day for for Mm -hmm. for logistical reasons for mm-hmm. like mental health reasons for mm-hmm. just like all the all the reasons that have been said there's so many positives and i mean one thing to note which just comes up a lot is this idea that the you know, the, mar- the global market like what what online learning has done like we were talking about earlier like when animation mentor showed up on the scene and it was like, mind-blowing because suddenly people everywhere have access to this information mm-hmm. now where normally mm-hmm. it would be there would have been no way um so it's the same on the same level right it's like you've now you can now globally crowdsource your talent there is mm-hmm one little thing that kind of gets in the way and that is this little thing called tax credits depending on where you live (laughs) um that does sometimes get you know so like don't I don't expect that this pandemic will suddenly make it a, all the jobs available to you. Some some no. companies are still let, letting you work from home, but they still expect you to live in that state or that province or you know where or you know whatever you might live in in your country. <laughs> but
3: that, that's an entire new discussion that will have. Is. because one oh, of the reasons sure. why Montreal exploded in Canada in general is because of the tax credit. Why do yep. you have t- tax credit? Uh, I mean, as a studio, is because mm-hmm. you want to spend less to to have more. If you have X percentage of percentage of those tax credits, okay. What happened to tax credit if all of a sudden you can have animators from mm-hmm. Brazil and Thailand that are actually at least as good and cheaper than yeah, the well, salary yeah, of people yeah. in Montreal <laughs> minus the tax credit? What do you yeah, well, think?
1: Yeah, that's I, I agree with you. Like, this is a complicated question. And, and I, I, I'm curious to see what happens because those are the issues that are going to come up. And it's, it's unavoidable because uh, it's almost like the whole like the mentality that surrounded production needs to shift because it needs to not even shift it needs to be built from the ground up again like it's the reality has changed and we now need a different mechanism to make that sort of like you know pay equity and like all the all the complicated complicated things that go into a production and how much it costs need to be reevaluated in a big way Mm -hmm. if we want to fully leverage this new reality we live in i want to do um we're cutting kind of out of time, but I do want to end this with a fun question that uh, popped up that I'd scanned here. And that question is, um, uh, I'm going par- to put it up, but I'm going to paraphrase it a little bit. So, because I think it's a funny question. We've all had this question. You work as an animator and friends and family really don't get what that actually means. They might have seen some making of, um, you know, they might have seen some behind the scenes. And like, they don't understand the difference between 2D and 3D. Like, what is that? So what is the funniest thing? Like or the the funniest version of what it is that you do that's been sort of you know that you've been told like like a friend or family member is like so like your job is it like this this and this what's the funniest the funniest uh, sort of description that you've ever heard about your job from a non animator
2: I don't know if it's a funny one but I I, to this day still get so you draw on the computer
1: yeah okay yeah sure
2: it's it's definitely not mouse and keyboard it's always drawing drawing yeah it's always drawing. Um, I don't like that. That's to be the top one, like the one that I think no one really understands how much work it is.
1: No, nobody. Unless I think you do it.
2: That. I think, oh, you do it on the computer, so it's easy to do it. It does it for you. Yeah, yeah. Um, the amount of work you do on the computer is insane. I oh, think yeah. that to me is the biggest one. I think it's drawing, and I think that the computer is everything. Yeah. It's kind of like the mocap thing, right? Oh, mocap, you put on the yeah. suit and that's it. Like there's so much more work involved. Yeah,
1: yeah. I think yeah. the conception or the 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 the, 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 the misconception that that video game developers are like that's like it's what well, it's a dream come true you're playing games all day it's that they only knew if they only knew
3: if they yeah. only knew for for, for me I totally, I totally relate to what you said jd and there's the other side of the spectrum of some people thought oh so you're programming right all this is yeah, either you're sure. drawing all day long yeah, or you're programming that's it, all day. That's it. there's but no in between of yeah. using both part of your brain totally and, totally totally and i agree yeah I was, but, but that's funny uh, but i would say we to do, do all our toys in our desks yeah uh, often they, they they see the making of versions so uh, as you said they they think oh so you're having fun all day well hey you know it is a fun industry and you know we can mm-hmm. complain but there's absolutely but there's a lot of moment that it's very serious and uh, oh, yeah. hard work uh, and all that and to me if if we want to take what the what is the misconception of uh, what an animator does and we multiply it by 10 it's to to have worked in video game a little bit is what the the uh, game testers would be the way oh it's amazing you're playing video game all day long yeah i'm going in through every wall of every map to and each time i'm stuck somewhere or it, it crashes i write a little report and I have to provide this in two different languages, so that's the 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 difference between the perception and the reality. You got to read this.
1: You got to read this quote that I just dropped. It's pretty on the nose. (laughs) I (laughs) mean, we feel your pain. We feel your pain, Josh. We feel it. Yeah, I mean, I think the, the 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 version of the story was that I've heard that I always I always sort of reminisce on, that similar to what JD said. It's like people, like someone was convinced the way that we animate on a computer is we draw, there is a drawing component, there's the overlap there, but we scan those drawings into a computer. That's how we mm. do it. We, we that's how we, we draw it, scan it. It's sort of like I guess it's kind of close. It's similar to what was done during the sort of the digital ink paint paint days during mm-hmm, the transition mm-hmm. from 2D to 3D. But yeah, it is it is funny. We should almost teach. We should almost have educational kind of workshops that just teach our friends and our family what it
3: is that we actually do. It might make things a little <laughs> Ooh, easier. That would be great. Animation for dummies, a, a class that's for it. all non-animator to have that's an idea it. of what animators are doing. That's like it. class JD By a dummy for dummies. I'm yeah. the main dummy I'm, here I'll yeah. for your yeah. YouTube On, channel. I dare yeah. you. Absolutely.
1: T- absolutely. Okay, well, I mean, that's we're out of time. I don't want to um I don't want us to uh, overstay our our welcome. You are a busy person, as we've obviously uncovered during this conversation. Thank you from the bottom of my and thank the entire you. community's heart for being here. It's always nice my to pleasure. have you. Looking to forward to many, many more visits with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, David, as always, thank you for being my co-pilot. Um, I guess so I'll let you go back to your ridiculously busy schedule as well. And um, for all those who are um, uh, are wondering, uh, or we do have another conversation next week, and it's with Andrew Gordon. It is uh, at uh, 8 a.m. in the in the morning and in, in California time, or 11 o'clock in the morning uh, if you are an Eastern Standard person like myself. So uh, please do stay tuned Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard, and we'll be doing a talk with Andrew Gordon. So again, thank you both very much. We will see you around. Thank and you. Uh, I guess that's it. Thank you, chat. By the way, sorry about not getting to all the questions. Obviously, there were a lot of really good ones. Please do hit J- JD up on his Twitter. And also, if you haven't already, please do go and swing by his channel. Very easy to find. Just type his full name in, Jean Denis, um, in YouTube, and you'll find his channel. Um, it is full, and I mean truly full, of amazing information. <laughs> so uh, thank you. Thank you very much. And we'll see you around, everybody. Cheers. All right. Bye, guys. Bye. Thanks for
0: listening to this episode. We hope you got a lot out of it. Agora Community is a free resource for artists in the animation, visual effects and gaming industries, providing daily educational material, free rigs and assets. We also have a range of experts you can purchase affordable animation reviews from to help you level up your skills. You can check it all out at agora.community. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter and LinkedIn for updates on upcoming conversations and free animation quick tips. So, until next time, stay tuned and stay animated.